Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. On LinkedIn, as well as Instagram and Facebook. Thank you very much, everyone, for bearing with me. Uh, that took a bit of time, but there we go. So, uh, tech is always potentially against you, so I'm always prepared. Uh, I have everything set up, and it sounds really cynical. I actually have everything set up uh, in the studio here in case I get things like that happen, like a crash. So, uh, not bad drill. I think it took four minutes to completely reboot, set everything up again. And, uh, and go live, so that's not so bad. <laughs> and thank you everyone for bearing with me. Uh, weird when you go offline again, but I need to do it properly because uh, LinkedIn is quite an audience, uh, seems to be keen on this. So uh, those who are joining in right now, give us a, a comment below. Let us know where you're watching from and put hashtag team live if you're watching live right now or hashtag team replay if you're watching later on. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, thank you very much for doing so. If you're driving, pull over and put in hashtag team replay. Uh, thanks in advance to those of you listening on IGTV uh, to the replay a bit later as well. Uh, and yeah, so this topic you voted for over the weekend, two thirds at least of the votes, I think it was, uh, went to content creation. So if you have a, con a comment, uh, or rather if you have a, a question on content creation, do jump in uh, to the comments and add your comment here. I was saying in the, in the failed stream I had five minutes ago uh, that actually uh, there's a couple of notices about Entrepreneur Business Live. Uh, just to let you know, because people are asking when is the London one coming up. The next London one will be in, probably in March, dates to be announced. Uh, we've got Atlanta on the 27th of February. Uh, Amsterdam's being pushed back to May, probably uh, first week, maybe the, I think it's Tuesday the 5th. And we plan, although it's not done yet, we plan to have um, uh, New York return episode four of New York, which is like, it, I loved it there. It was such a great event last year. Uh, so it, New York run by uh, Alison Fisher uh, will be in May as well. Um, but uh, right in front of us right now is Atlanta's about to be announced uh, as well as uh, Miami. So if you've been to an EBL, thank you. Last year was an amazing year and I'm really excited about the larger scale events this year as well. Just want to do some shout outs. Hello to uh, those who are watching on Instagram, Arista Health SA, uh, Ivov Palmunkov, also Dr. Direk himself, Brian Direk, who will be moderating and hosting Entrepreneur Business Live Miami is there. Bob Lowe, good to see you here. Justin Myers, Laurie uh, Heath Knudsen, Laura Pendergast, all watching on Facebook as well. Uh, over on LinkedIn, looks like a bunch of you joining in, which is marvellous. Uh, good to see you here. Anthony English, I can see. Roger Wakefield, king of live himself. Uh, Doug Thompson, live from Austin. Dan Willis, uh, live from Canada. Craig Burns, uh, good to see you again. You came last week. Nice to see you here as well. Thank you very much for watching. Number of others too, Caroline Mankowski, and, uh, Emily and Valilia, I can see there too. If you have a question on content creation, pop it into the comments below and let's get started. Let me just make sure I'm sorted on Instagram. We're live Instagram again. Some of you are like, what? What's with you dropping off Instagram, man? You need to keep that. And I was like, actually, yes, I do. Um, so we, it's going to remain there. Obviously, a link, uh, uh, Instagram Live only goes for 24 hours like a story, but is now available on uh, IGTV as well. Let's get into the questions. Uh, and just before I do, by the way, just a plug for myself, uh, or for you rather, of myself, um, the Entrepreneur Business Bulletin, a lot of you are unaware we're doing this. So the Entrepreneur Business Bulletin is almost is over a year old now. Every Monday, 
Uh, I have an amazing researcher, Mona Nairi, who helps me uh, put together, who researches and puts together a newsletter. It is a digest of some of my content, but it's mostly uh, the latest in the in the world of digital marketing and the online space and social platforms uh, with a with a kind of a heavy skew towards business. It's also interesting content from from business leaders out there around the world as well. I strongly urge you to, to check it out. It's completely free. If you sign up, it's on therichardmore.com forward slash newsletter or just go to the homepage therichardmore.com. Um, if you sign up with your email and your first name, literally the only thing you get is that newsletter each month, each Monday. So I don't kind of send anything else out. It's literally that thing. So make sure you sign up to it. Uh, it's only been positivity from it. We don't get unsubscribes. Everyone loves it. So uh, it's a really good digest. And it does a lot of the research work for you in terms of what you need to know about the state of the industry right now. Let's get into the questions. First up is Karina Mankowski, who I think was watching over on uh, LinkedIn. Looks like you are. Yes, that's right. So uh, your question is, how do you organize your content by theme, by day of the week? Uh, do you have it all scheduled out? I know so many questions. Yes, that's right. Um, I don't actually overthink the schedule. Some people have said in the past, you know, do you do, you do like a month in advance? No, this is the thing. Content creation isn't my main job. And it, for many of you, shouldn't be yours either, in my opinion. Um, I'm a practitioner of, of the things I talk about. So I teach things like sales. I teach things like marketing to corporates and I help guide startups. As a hobby, I, hobby, I also run the Entrepreneur Business Live events. But content is like a 1% thin veneer sitting atop of it that helps promote and distribute the things I'm doing, such as this content, for instance. So it's not like a major thing that I focus on day in, like day, in day out. Really simply, Carolina, I have a big focus on re remembering that I need to be focused on this one area of work I have. So pure signal about the thing I do. I don't post loads of other things all the time. I could post more probably, but the content I produce is very tight uh, on helping people around the digital marketing space, the sales space and the, and the online, although I work a lot with offline, but the online startup kind of realm. And um, I organize it a loose, loosely speaking, against a weekly schedule. So on uh, on one day of the week, it's usually a Monday, I have a content generation um, uh, focus. I don't spend the whole day doing it, but that is the day within which my content is created. Um, and then across the week, I have scheduled when I'm going to put these posts in. Usually it's against a particular time zone, and in addition, I will um, have a type of post now, the type of post doesn't relate to the medium. So if I'm using video or image, that doesn't really matter too much to me. I'm always experimenting that way uh, and I mostly use video. But, but in terms of the type, what I mean is if it's an engagement post, so designed to drive engagement, get people on my radar, or if it's a value or tip post, so one that shares a piece of advice, so one recently on delegation or on effective time management, whatever. So a tip or a hint that is there to uh, demonstrate a level of knowledge in a certain space, or it might be more of a brand building one. So sometimes it's uh, a reflection or a thought or, or an opinion, and it maybe is uh, some artwork or a photo taken by one of the photographers or something like that. So those different types of posts are there throughout the week, and they are scheduled by day in order to drive um, different types of activity. 
So I might have an insight-based post with value and tips one day. You know, these posts here, this live stream is very focused on being an insight one. Then I might have engagement-based posts and the call to action there is reflected, uh, is reflecting that it's driving, stimulating the conversation uh, as the point of it all. So that's very much the idea is to have different types of posts, but I have one type of post per day and I just kind of rotate that as I go. Just don't overthink it too much because a lot of people plan far too much with my clients, it's different in the main, we operate up to a week out. We have the content already organized as well, uh, much like with me, but we don't do a month in advance. I, I've personally not seen that as, as necessary, to be honest. Um, uh, I'd be interested to know if anyone does things differently because there's no wrong or right, there's what works for you. I know plenty of people who are very successful and they just do it in the moment. They just do it like that day. I've got to put, so put a post out, so I will, is, is their attitude. Uh, Erica Gutierrez, you send the question, uh, what is the best approach to creating a content calendar and scheduling out your content on LinkedIn? Um, that's kind of a, a similar answer to Carolina's question. One thing I will add here is that um, it's worth having a day of batching, in my opinion. Batching should have two components. By the idea of batching, it's rather than maybe making a video one day, then making a video the next day, then the next day to post each time, it's batched all together. So sit down for half an hour, map out the things you're gonna talk about, so five things you're gonna talk about, and then record five one minute videos. Or record one video and splice it into five, okay? That's just, you know, that, that's five posts, that could be a post each day of the week now. So batching the content creation itself, in addition to that, the second strand is arguably more important, in my opinion, um, is the uh, the copy, as in the text that's going to go with it. So if I'm doing video or images, it's all very well to have a snazzy looking image or a nice, uh, nice video, but I've also got the content as well. And I will probably have best part of an hour spent sitting there thinking about how I'm going to write it, the call to action, the pattern interrupt, the kind of the, the, the language I'm using and how I lay it all out. And I have that written down. And what it allows me to do is know that when it's, say, Thursday and I'm due to put a post out at a particular time, um, I can go to my Google Drive. I've got the post, a folder for post, a folder for copy, and I literally take the post out, stick it up or the, or the, um, the video and place it there and then I'll, I'll copy and paste the, the text in and, and click send. And I personally do that because I want to be the one who posts it so I can be there at that moment to check in uh, with responses and to uh, babys basically babysit the content. So in addition to what I said uh, in, in response to Carolina's question, Erica, uh, with the idea of having a, a week with a schedule on each day, the type of post I'll be using, uh, that's as a guide. In addition to that, I will have, say, a Monday when I will do the recording of video and then a Tuesday, uh, sorry, a Monday afternoon when I might do the copy writing so that all of that's done, I can get on with my work for the majority of the rest of the week. So bearing in mind time zones as well, scheduling shouldn't be too taxing. It doesn't really make sense to post when your audience isn't up. And one little tip is that whilst schedulers like Hootsuite or Buffer may appear useful in the sense that they are able to provide um, convenience, they are not necessarily effective. I don't use them anymore, for instance, for LinkedIn posts or Facebook posts because my aim isn't just to tick the box of I've posted. My aim is to generate meaningful engagement. And so in LinkedIn, and I tested this a while back, and I tested it again yesterday to a degree, if you post and leave it, 
very little happens compared with if you post and distribute it, speak to people, let them know you've done it, you know, tag meaningfully six or 10 or 12 people who feel, who might feel this is useful. When I'm doing that, I need to be watching what's happening live in the moment because I wanna see who's online right now. So if I have two people I might tag in that post, Erica, and one of them is live, you know, they've got the little green dot in the, um, in the sidebar of, of people who are online right now, I'll tag that one because not only do I know that person will find this content useful, but I know that person's live right now using the platform. That's a great way of making sure I stimulate some reg uh, some early uh, traction. That kind of little thing is really important. Otherwise, it will die off quite quickly. Um, so that's a good that's a good question, uh, and and you don't have to overthink it too much. But those basics is, is what I really tend to do. Uh, a few more shout outs here. Victoria Rush, awesome to see you on uh, Instagram. Thanks for watching. Rian Boats, good to see you too from South Africa. I presume you're in South Africa at the moment. I don't know if you are or you'd move somewhere else. Uh, Victor Horcasitas from Barcelona, amazing to see you here. Uh, Natalie uh, Excellence uh, is uh, here too uh, under the account, but obviously that's just my friend Joel. Uh, Karina, you're here now on Facebook. Brandy Holloway's here too. Uh, a lot of you watching, excellent. Over on LinkedIn, Suzanne Sparner, who um, sent me a DM after last, was it last week's uh, video on DM? So well done. Hi, Richard Moore, great pointers. Uh, if you have, if you're putting a comment in right now, let us know where you're watching from. So what city are you in? Uh, and are you hashtag team live or team replay? Dina Barami from the University of Warwick. Good to see you. And by the way, I'll be in Warwick next month. Uh, I believe it's next month or later this year. I can't quite remember uh, for the Warwick Congress. Thank you in advance, uh, those at Warwick, for organising that with me. Do you think it's Dina asks, asks, do you think it's necessary to create content in several social medias such as Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube? It's important to post content everywhere you possibly can if your demographic uses th those platforms. However, it's important to be effective. So if you can't be effective because you don't have the bandwidth or the team to drive it, then don't do it because it's a waste of time. Rather than try and be a little bit on each platform and do them in a crap way, it's better to do them really well. So my three main platforms, probably in order now, it's interesting, are LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Instagram and Facebook are very close. It used to be Facebook was number one. It's dropped, dropped a bit and Instagram's kind of taken the lead from it. Facebook still matters, especially because of my group. But I do say, I would say that LinkedIn obviously take, takes the lead on it. Uh, but the three are the where I, where I tend to focus. Is it necessary to create content on several media, social media platforms? Yes, if you can. It's dangerous to go all in on one. Um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't, you know. The sun's shining on LinkedIn right now. So those that focus on LinkedIn, good for you. But when you go, I'm going all, all in on LinkedIn because it's going really well, you run the risk of making yourself a little bit uh, redundant should something change. Oh, no one's gonna stop using LinkedIn, said everyone. Oh, no one's gonna stop using Snapchat. Hang on a sec. You know, these things happen and you never know what culturally people are gonna tend to want to use more. The truth is that Facebook is still an absolute monster, but also Facebook isn't necessarily the best bang for your buck in terms of where you're gonna spend your time and place your content. So you need to bear that in mind. The answer is simple. Use them all if you can, if they're relevant to your audience. Don't use them all if you can't commit enough. I'm not focused on YouTube. I should be focused on YouTube. 
I'm not because I don't have the bandwidth to do it properly. YouTube is not ping up a post and hope it works unless you're PewDiePie, right? But but even then he probably does a better job than I ever would. Um, so, but then it's the same with Twitter. I can't commit to it or I won't commit to it enough. So we're going all in on the others instead. If I add another platform, I don't feel that right now we would do as well as we might. So I'm going deeper on the three I'm using at the moment instead. Okay, good question. Uh, Craig Bernie Burns, always solid advice. Thank you so much. Graham Richardson, Team Live in Bishopsgate. I will be in Bishopsgate next week uh, on the 22nd or 3rd, shooting some video, some footage with my friend, friend uh, Jack Gaysford. So if you might be able to see you there. Uh, Rudy Goldman is uh, hashtag live. Mo Hadja in Alexandria, Egypt here. What are your thoughts on content creation if you are not an expert in your field and you just got started? Here's the good news. If you're not an expert and you just got started, as I was uh, in, in on Facebook in 2015, just post anyway. Because the good news is no one's watching, so you can practice. And if a few people watch, no problem. But the point is that you can start with no one paying much attention to you and you can practice. It's insane to hope that you can, uh, you can create perfect content straight away. It's a learning curve, right? My first videos were dreadful, but I still posted them because it's not just about posting content, it's being cool with the fact that you're, uh, you're putting yourself out there. And part of it isn't, it's not, the whole point isn't putting out content, it's also getting engagement, right? So you want to build your audience and, uh, and get engagement from a community watching. That's crucial. Um, so my thoughts on content creation, if you're not an expert, is start, but recognize that expert is a relative term. So what this means, Mo, is that, for instance, here on, on Instagram right now, Lever Grinberg has just joined, who is I mean, like still a massive fan of hers. She's one of the, she's like the lead uh, designer for Media Monks. So she led the rebrand of McLaren, like the orange accent and that. And like that blows my mind. So relative to me, she's a world class expert in 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 understanding design and things like that. But if you look at it a different way, relative to my two daughters who are four and seven years old, Mo, I am world class at, you know, playing dominoes. I'm just so average at it, at playing chess, at playing football, at like anything pretty much. I'm amazing at it because I'm just better than them. So experts are relative term. What all is to say you're probably an expert relative to some people. So if you stay in lane with what you know and share that, there will be possibly the majority of people that are like watching saying, look Mo, <laughs> You're not teaching me anything new. But there might be 3% of people watching who, who think, I never knew that, that's really, really helpful. So experts are a relative term. If you're not an expert, start sharing anyway. And if you're not expert enough to sh share anything but you wanna talk about it, so go learn, go research. Um, but the truth is, if you're keen on something, you'll probably be a strong expert in it relative to the average person that doesn't know anything. And that's important. Don't pretend you know everything about it, but take that level you're at. That, that's my advice. So I hope that helps a bit. Um, Dina, thanks very much for your, for your uh, answer there. Suzanne Sparner in Atlanta watching live. Um, who else is watching right now? Gosh, there's loads of you. That's quite nice. So who's that up there? David Speyer, nice to see you here too. Rudy Goldman from the Netherlands, great tips. Uh, Carolina Mankowski, would you recommend a CTA on every post, even if just a simple comment below? Yes, I would. 
I've experimented so that I can answer these questions, Carolina. I deliberately experiment all the time. It's really painful when you throw a post under the bus to try to, to experiment. So I tried this a few days ago um, with a post that had no call to action. And it was just a statement. And as I expected, was it, maybe it was the, the post before last, actually, as expected, what happened was the reactions were great. So I got loads of reactions straight away and no one commented. Because they're like, oh, that's a nice statement. And some people like to speak, but you have to nudge people to speak. So the call to action isn't always, hey, buy my stuff, or send me an email, or let's hop on a call, or DM me, or hit me up, or whatever. It actually can be um, uh, a comment along the lines of, what are your, what's your thoughts, or what are your opinions on this? If you make your CTA short, but specific, people tend to answer it. If it's too broad, if it's like, tell me your life story kind of uh, CTA, it's too big, no one's gonna do it. Um, and if it's too long, it becomes too complex, no one can be bothered to read it, let alone do it. So short and specific means people answer it in the same way as any, when you ask, ask questions, if you learn the science in sales of asking questions, uh, the shorter they are, let's keep it simplistic, and the, le the, um, the, uh, the more specific they are, so the more easy it is to answer, the more likely these questions get answered. So it's the same with the CTA. Yes, you should always put it in because you're not here just to self-express. Unless you are, fine, but you tend to not be here to self-express. You're more here to, um, to drive engagement meaningful engagement that starts with conversations and then shares and things like that, because that means you're becoming the host of the party. So it's a very, very good question. Uh, a lot of people think a call to action or a CTA at the end of a post is one where you go all sales in. People don't, uh, it's uh, hilarious when people say things like, I don't use CTAs because I don't wanna be salesy. So don't be salesy, but you should ask your audience to at least speak or engage. Otherwise, why are you bothering to post publicly? What are you looking for? If you want some kind of reaction, ask for it. It's a good idea to do it. Uh, I, I, I've found it's, it's driven engagement a lot where I explicitly ask uh, the audience to engage in some way. Uh, next question from Gloria Mitchell, amazing Gloria Mitchell. Question, do you have a systematic way that you come up with ideas for content? In other words, how do you continuously come up with topic ideas? One word, one word is immersion. I'm immersed in the work that I talk about. Um, when I go to uh, produce, produce a piece of content, I've got the flood of ideas because I'm actually on the ground doing it. If I never did any work for clients or met people or had uh, interface with people who might have problems or fixed stuff for people, then I'd have nothing to talk about. And content creation and the kind of the ideation around the creativity would never happen. So there is some consumption of the content of others, but in the like, overwhelming majority, it is my immersion in my world itself. So. So for instance, tomorrow, I'm training like 10 different training sessions for a client, all on different topics around sales and marketing. And that's obviously something I'd already thought about, like curating the, the training sessions, but after having done them, so tomorrow evening, I will have had the fact I've interfaced with these people. It will be equivalent of dozens of people across the day that I've spoken to, 
each with different ideas and problems and scenarios. We've worked through them. I've coached maybe on a, on a uh, kind of a, a point to fix it. And there I've got a little mini case study and that will form easily some creativity for an Instagram story or something to talk about in the future, for instance. All these questions, like we're getting on for 1,500 questions across all of these live streams I do every week. And, and I, I can draw from, I mean, the answers themselves have to be creative to a degree. They have to draw from, from uh, anecdotal evidence or things I've done. And it comes from me being a practitioner. So immersion in it. If you only talk and never do, then you have very little to talk about because you're not experiencing. So immersion in the, in the, in the job itself, doing an actual job, not just producing content about a fictitious job uh, is the way to do it. So having clients, being on the ground, being a, a someone who may have something to say or post about, but actually is still a practitioner, that is essential. Otherwise you're not staying fresh and you're not, you're not doing it, you know, and then you've got less to talk about. So if you feel like your creativity is waning, get out there more. You perhaps you need more exposure to people, clients, uh, and problems that you can solve because then that'll give you more to talk about. And it's just it, being immersed in other people's worlds and other people's businesses and helping them it allows me to have something to, to always talk about. Um, if there's nothing to talk about naturally coming into your mind when you want to produce some content, it's a, um, a, I suppose a little alarm bell that's ringing saying you need to perhaps do something to stimulate that a bit more. And that typically, in my opinion, means you need to be in front of more people and doing more stuff because then you've got more to talk about. So great question. Well done. Um, uh, thank you for that, Gloria. Elizabeth Westbrook, you're becoming a regular. I'm really pleased about that. Um, you've written, I can't wait. So you're obviously pleased about this topic. Uh, question, do you recommend a limited number of content subjects for each individual? And if so, why? Yeah, this concept of pure signal, I talk about a lot. Um, the idea that you focus, you stay in lane and talk about your thing. Um, you should niche down as much as you can um, because the more I talk about everything, the more thinly I'm spreading myself and the, the less I'm appealing to a certain set of people. I'd rather have 150 people who are massively engaged in what I talk about than 2,000 who are kind of like, oh, that's that guy Richard occasionally talks about interesting stuff. It's not the size of the audience, it's how keen they are listening to you that matters. Um, and without a shadow of a doubt, you need to stay niche because it ma makes you appeal to those for whom the content is relevant that much more. It means that, you know, you're, you're not just providing content for that set of people, but you're doing it with a high frequency. If I'm hitting in different directions all the time, only so often am I going to be useful to, to each set of people. And that's just simply not a good idea when you're trying to build an audience when everyone's barking away with their own thing. So go deep, become an authority on the thing you do. I focus a lot on things like, um, you know, on, on content creation, sure, but more about meaningful engagement using that. And that's a crucial part. Uh, of, of, of what I focus on. So that's what I need to talk about mostly. It all angles into things like sales and conversions, but and kind of engagement and, uh, and, and getting traction and something meaningful from attention uh, is, is what I talk about. So that's what I focus on. And, and everything kind of maps to that really. Um, but you hopefully understand why. It's because uh, otherwise you're not really appealing to people deep enough. Uh, you've asked the second question, does your content need to drive to your business or is it best to drive to your professional expertise or combination or other uh, rationale? Um, 
I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that because it seems like you're asking the same thing there, but my content is there to drive conversation. The conversation dry, uh, kind of positions me as a host of a party, if you like. And ultimately, I'm trying to leverage this beautiful thing, which is human curiosity. So what I'm saying here is if I start enough conversations and I'm positioned as the, as the host of the conversations, that content, it, it, it kind of stimulates human curiosity and people start having a look and saying, who is this person who ha shows up all the time or does this stuff or talks about something or, or has said something I've found useful? That curiosity is enough to get them to click on the name and then they're in the profile and that's optimized to take them to the website or wherever it might be they need to go. And I think getting that bit right makes a lot of sense. So it maps to the business if they need it to map to the business. There are signposts wherever people need to go, um, but I'm leveraging curiosity by being the host of conversations first. That's the start point or the entry point to the funnel, if you like. Uh, just a few more shout outs. Uh, Emily, Go <laughs> Emily, good to see you here. Uh, uh, fellow uh, friend, what, I, mean, I actually saw it the weekend. It was nice to hang out with all our kids. So thank you very much uh, for watching. Um, Imani Gray, you're watching too on Instagram. Mahmoud Gaimi43, you're here. Lever Grimberger, who hope you're still watching. Thank you very much. Uh, Laura Pendergast on Facebook has said, build your authority. You're always better at something than someone else. Exactly. You might be rubbish, but there are some people out there who are even worse. Like I could teach guitar. <laughs> I'm so bad at guitar. I'm self-taught and terrible. Um, but for some, like, honestly, if I taught my daughter, she'd be like, this is great. You know, like, all these chords. That's so great. Thanks so much. I didn't know it's called a plectrum. I didn't know that's how you form, you know, G or E or what a bar chord was. And so, you know, it's like, I'm all, after a day, I'd be like, I'm all out. I've taught you everything I know. But the point is, relatively speaking, I'm an expert. That's a really good point, uh, Laura. Um, Eric, hope that made sense. Thanks very much for watching. Eric did Dunigan. Uh, Mirav Levine's watching, Chris Almeniero is watching too, thank you very much. And over on LinkedIn, what we're asking, Brian Direct, great topic today, <coughs> keep sharing, thank you. Gary Lanham has just added excellent information, thanks. Karina Mankowski, teaching is a great way to immerse yourself as well. You learn about people and find new expertise as well. Yes, if you want to have more um, creativity for content, so go read. Or whatever your topic area is, get on YouTube or um, into Google and type top 10 tips for, you know, whatever. Let's say you're a hairdresser and you want to do content on hairdressing. You write top 10 tips for hairdresser or top five things you don't do in hairdresser. People are falling over themselves to put out content to get you to look at their website, to subscribe to their YouTube channel. You can't move for it. And so you say, right, let's read what this person has to say. Take the top result. That's probably the most popular for a reason. Uh, read it and say, yeah, I agree. And then read it yourself or you don't agree. And then you say your own version of it. So that's a good way to get some ideas. I remember early on, I thought, I wonder what I should talk about in terms of sales because I've got so much. So I did that kind of research. I went to Google, typed in top 10 sales tips, saw what came up because that's a reflection of research. That's a reflection of people saying, here's the stuff that keeps coming up. So I talked about those things. And people said the top 10 tips, I would do a bit of content on each of those tips because they've done the hard work for me. So I just have to talk about it with my flavor or my angle. And that's how I did it. Uh, and that, was, that allowed me to always have something to talk about. Rudy Goldman, really enjoyed watching today and learning, Richard, thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in, Rudy. Patricia Freudenberg, as part two of my question, it's regarding via content, uh, finding a cop 
founder, not live human reaction. I best find what you're talking about. I'll look at it later. Uh, Kyokyo Takiyama is watching as well, and I see you here on Facebook. Next question. And by the way, those of you tuning in late, firstly, where are you? We start at one o'clock, although today it was five past because of tech. The first time in its entire career, the PC I built has been here for like three years, working fine, crashed. <laughs> well, PCs don't crash anymore, uh, so I had to go offline and come back. But anyway, you're late, those of you just joining now. So put in uh, the comments uh, where you're watching from, and if you're hashtag team live or hashtag team replay, we're talking about content creation today. Uh, most of you voted for that over the weekend on the Facebook group. If you're not in the group, entrepreneur business group is where you need to, what do you need to search for in Facebook and you join over 4,000 people. You get to watch all the live streams of our events, uh, the Entrepreneur Business Live series. We had like close to 25 so far of them. Uh, you get to watch all the speakers in there too. Um, let's do a couple more questions. Firstly, Falguni Katira. Question one. How many have you got? Three questions, fine. Uh, Falguni from over in uh, San Francisco, I think. It was good to see you last year uh, when I was over there in June. What is the one fundamental rule or a must that content creators should follow? Um, I think the number one rule, yeah, the number one rule I would say is 10% content, 90% distribution. And I can say with a guess, but pretty much for sure that for most, it's 90% content, 10% distribution. But what, by content, what I mean is making the content and posting it. By distribution, what I mean is getting out there and stimulating an audience, okay? Getting in the community and letting them know that you're a good person so they show up and then tagging someone meaningfully because they'll actually benefit from the post or might have something useful to say as an opinion in the post. And doing that um, massively so that the content gets legs because so much talent goes into content but never distribution. And what you end up with is wonderful content, but no one looks at it, right? It's far better to focus on the distribution over the content. Content has to be done, bang it out there, it's, out, it's over with. But focus on the distribution side because then it gets in front of people. And then you get feedback. And feedback's a marvellous thing. You get a sense of if the market feels your content's useful. And if they show up for you, as you lot are all doing on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn right now, it suggests you should continue, <laughs> okay? So without distribution, your content is a waste of time. It's a waste of time. And I, I think it's stunning that we don't audit the, the data we're getting. And what I mean by that is, if you look at LinkedIn, is it probably the best place to see it is LinkedIn. Uh, certainly businesses are doing this, um, where it's post after post after post after post of content, even daily. So that the appetite to put the work in, in into producing content is there. And literally every day, not a bean, not even a reaction. They don't even like their own posts, they're literally nothing. And this is, and you'll scroll down, that will be for weeks and months. And it's stunning because there's still this belief that, well, if I just post every day, something will change and miraculously it will all go viral and everyone will start paying attention. You've just got to put time into it. And, Week after week, month after month, they get nothing because the focus is on tick the box of have I posted today. Yeah, just share that article and stick it up and that'll do. Actually, you should be focusing on distributing it, um, going out there, meeting people, speaking to them, 
and getting them to show up for the content because that's how you, you, you will get people starting to talk about you. Um, hoping it will just do it itself. It doesn't really work unless you're really lucky. And, and that, that's not much of a strategy in my opinion. So 10% um, content, 90% distribution, um, not the other way around. Your second question, uh, does that rule apply across all social media platforms? Yes. It's easier on some than others. Um, on LinkedIn, the irony with LinkedIn is that the organic distribution of content is it will blow away all the rest of the platforms put together because it's so strong. However, the thing about LinkedIn is if you don't post uh, with any sense of distribution at all, if you literally write a post, put it on LinkedIn and leave it, nothing will happen. So it will die if, if nothing happens within like half an hour or so. It's just going to go to the graveyard and no one will bother. It won't get shared that much. If you put effort in the first half hour into distribution, it will just rock it. It really will. So it's interesting, that one. But I do think that um, it does appear, uh, apply to all platforms in different ways. Some platforms are easier to get traction than others. Um, but in truth, you need to spend your time with the distribution side. That's the game. Showing up in the, con in the comments on a previous post so that so you gave someone the validation for their effort in bothering to comment on your post is part of your distribution strategy what that does is it gives them a hit of thanks so much for coming a great feeling of of um, feeling welcome some meaning and value and it makes them decide they probably will do it again they'll probably tune in for you again that helps your distribution okay um honestly though if you're not doing this straight off the bat when you post, if you're not engaging with people to let them know your content's there. As, as Laura here said on, on, um, on Facebook, one hour and it's gone on LinkedIn. Yeah, I mean, if you've not interacted with people and brought new people in to check it out, after an hour it's dead, there's no point now. You might as well start again with a new post because it will die flat if unless there's any engagement right away. So you've got to work on that as part of getting it out there. And pretty much all the platforms have some element of their algorithm that focuses on the content um, uh, requiring first 20 minutes, half an hour, some early engagement. Because the point is, you're saying to the platform, when my posts go out there, everyone jumps to look at them. And if that's the case, well, then it will feed it to other people because it's saying there's something in it, okay? Uh, your third question, Falguni, gosh, it's very self-indulgent. Three questions now. <laughs> uh, the, the third one is, how can we effectively create content for the various platforms? Every platform has a different vibe. It is the same people on every platform. It's wrong to think of different people. It's just different parts of the same people on each platform. When I'm looking at Instagram, I'm looking for fun. I'm looking for the stories. You know, there's this abomination of a program here on the, in the UK that just started last night called Love Island. It's atrocious. It's everything that's wrong with our society. But... The memes are hilarious if you want to laugh, you know, and, and, and Instagram's a good place for fun. However, LinkedIn, the same people are there, but with perhaps a bit more of a business hat on and so on. So you need to be thinking about what exactly are, are, are we using the platforms for. But to answer your question directly, effectively and efficiently, let's be clear about this. I can efficiently create content in a way in which I repurpose pillar content. More on that in a sec. But, but effectively means I need to produce content that is tuned into the vibe people will have um, uh, on different platforms. So I'll explain that if, if I get back to the um, repurposing pillar content right now. So 
pillar content is your main big content. You should really be doing this, your main big content that you're going to break down into different types of content to feed the rest of the week. Right now, I am simultaneously providing three, or producing three pieces of content. I'm producing content on Instagram, on Facebook, and on LinkedIn. Those three bits of content will stay there for Instagram just for 24 hours, but then I will download it and that then produces an IGTV episode for Instagram that stays indefinitely. It also gets downloaded and converted into audio, so now it's the podcast, so it's on my site, but it's also on Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff as well. Then I've got the team headed by Dan Norton, who does the, the, the video production. So they will scrub through the hour, poor chaps, uh, and find two bits of content that will convert into micro content. So less than a minute that becomes videos for Instagram and for LinkedIn and for Facebook and so on. And there will be more that comes in. There'll be images and there'll be little bits and screen grabs and things like that and comments that convert into other posts and, and things. So I'm creating a lot of content from the pillar content. That is how you efficiently create content. If from scratch you make a brand new piece of content for every platform for every day, you're gonna be turning into a full-time job, which in my opinion is dangerous, unless for some reason you get paid to make content for a living, okay? Which mostly no one does. So with that in mind, you should be being efficient because you can kill many birds with one stone in the way I've just described. Um, but you're gonna be thinking about how you break it down and, and repurpose per platform. So for instance, I have used my Q&As here, these live streams, um, to post on TikTok. The posts on TikTok don't look like this because that doesn't work so well. The posts on TikToks have a lot of uh, optical stimulation. So there'll be a lot of um, like a hell of a lot of uh, animated, I think the first one we did had Mario Brothers animated GIF in it and things like that. So there's a lot of interesting things going on because it's gonna be way more fun. There's music underneath, there's a lot of interesting special effects and things like that. You only have 15 seconds, so it has to be quick, but it's also um, far more kind of pump and it's very stimulating uh, to watch. Uh, it's kind of like, like a bit of a party for the eyes compared with arguably something that might look a little bit more dry by comparison, uh, say here, this live stream on LinkedIn. So um, with that in mind, you need, you need to think like, how do I make it a bit more appropriate in look for the, for the, um, for the platform I'm on? So that, that's my answer there. Thank you for that, uh, uh, Falguni. Um, Jeanette Fackler, I'd like to hear more about developing a distribution strategy. Yeah, I think it's intelligent to have a bit of a workflow um, uh, kind of nailed down in terms of how it looks. So what I mean by this, Jeanette, is saying to yourself, okay, what's job one? For instance, with this, once I've completed the video, job one is download, because then it can go straight to Anchor, it can go to SoundCloud, it can get used by um, uh, IGTV, um, and also get a screen grab, then I can make the thumbnails as well, and then um, and I can, the job two, for instance, me, for instance, for me, is to, um, if I need to, is speak to Dan, the video production uh, chap, about what, what is needed or what question might be a good one to focus on. Do you see what I mean? So, like, it would be worth doing that each week. What do I do once I've produced this, this content? Um, uh, part of your um, distribution strategy, so that's the building uh, of the content, but then the distribution strategy could be a lot, or should be along the lines of post, immediately afterwards, I would um, write a message, sorry, a comment, and tag several people 
for whom I know this content will be relevant and interesting. And because I've got a dialogue with them, because I engage with them offline in a way, um, they're likely to actually respond as well. Don't tag people who aren't going to respond. That's why I never tag, you know, Jeff Weiner, because he's not going to respond to my, I mean, he could, but he won't respond. So I want to have a few tags in that I know are going to be relevant uh, to the post. And, and so that's like step two once the content's gone out. Then I will, like step three will be go to inbox and DM the people who I've tagged perhaps, if I know that they, they need to be aware of it, if they're not necessarily following me and I know that they'll like it, or send a message to a few people and say, you know, I've tagged you because, not because I want a bunch of engagement, because it's deeper than that, it's you know how you did that thing, or you talked about that thing, that's really useful, so I'd I wanted to tag you, I hope that's cool, here's the link. And it's about the distribution that way. So maybe you have a, a bit of a workflow in terms of what, what matters to you. Suzanne Sparney have asked, uh, how do you feel about the people who post, post, post constantly, as in every hour, is that excessive or not? No, if you can post all the time, then do. If someone has a problem with your content because it's too frequent, that's an excuse because they don't actually like your content. What they're, they're annoyed by your content. It means they don't dig you that much. Fine, so unfollow, they'll go which is no problem because you need people who care about your content. So you want the people who are loving your content to be following you. And, you know, if, it, if there's too much content, people don't watch it. There's no problem. But I think there's nothing wrong with loads. And the more you put out, the more returns you tend to get. Um, I know some people who will post five times a day and they get great results from it. When I was building, I was posting, posting a lot more than I am now. Um, we, we do our best with quality and trying to keep quantity up. But um, I remember when I started on Facebook, it was at least three posts a day. I was going mad on it. And same with Instagram as well. And it's it's slightly pirated a little bit less because I don't have all the time in the world, but I still make sure I show up at least daily. Um, but those that post all the time should be doing so because they have the bandwidth to do it. If you post all the time as a way of avoidance, so that you don't get on with your work because it's fun to make content and post it, or you're potentially, this is just wearing my startup advisor hat on, you're potentially hitting, hitting a, a bit of a problem soon because what you're doing is you're focusing on stuff that's fun, not stuff that's effective necessarily. So it's something to be aware of. But if you're able, if you have the bandwidth to get on with your work as well as post constantly, well, good for you because it means you have that much more potential traction uh, um, with an audience because you're showing up more for them. And remember, even if you have a really good, well-placed piece of content that goes out at a particular time, all well-researched and everything, just because you did it right in that respect doesn't mean your whole audience is going to see it. Some people never see it. Some will just miss it. They might have had a day off, off social and they miss your content. So there's nothing wrong with, uh, with, it was having, with having a bit of quantity each day as well. Um, see if there's anyone else up here, but otherwise I think we'll finish there. I think there's one more, uh, uh, so yeah, so thanks so much, Toby Goldstein. Love the divide, Richard. We need both content and distribution. It is a divide, but it's an unbalanced divide, a disproportionately large focus on, on distribution over content. So we've talked about content creation as the term, as the topic today, but very much distribution is what the bit that matters as well. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much. Make sure you tune in. If you want to learn more about this kind of stuff, the free newsletter that we produce every single uh, week on a Monday, it goes out in a few hours from now. So if you do it now, straight after this live stream, you'll be able to get the, the, uh, the newsletter. Go to therichardmore.com 
forward slash newsletter and just put in your name and email and you get access to newsletter. If you're worried about being spammed offers and other things, we literally never do that. It's literally only you're signing up in that dialog box only for the newsletter once a week. That's it. So that's worth knowing. And it obviously it covers other things as well as what's going on in the industry, changes to platforms, stuff you need to know, and a bit of a digest about stuff that I've, I've posted in the previous week that, that maybe popped with the audience. Um, thank you very much for watching on Instagram. Great to see you again here. I'll, I'll catch you later on. Uh, appreciate you listening on the, um, on the podcast as well. Thank you very much for uh, watching on 